Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the Nonprofit News Summary brought to you by Whole Whale, we have a lot of news for you, some info on GOP advertising, over $100 million. Where did it go? Where's the ROI? Maybe nobody knows. And interesting pieces that are going to come in the summary. Nick, how's it going? It's going good, George. I went to a Mets game this weekend, which was a lot of fun. The Mets are having a season. They're doing very well. Not a sports uh, not a sports podcast, but as, uh, as a Mets fan, yeah, let's go. Last year, we have DeGrom. Last year, we have DeGrom. They're doing good. They did lose in a pretty brutal fashion <laughs> this weekend to the Nationals. But uh, we're coming back. We're coming at them. Uh, but back to nonprofits, the first story we wanted to talk about today was problems with the GOP Senate fundraising campaign. So the lead here is that the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is the fundraising and campaign arm of the Senate Republicans, is faking, is facing backlash from its own party as details of how it lost millions on what some say is an ill-conceived fundraising strategy have emerged in the press. So the NRSC, which is chaired by former Senator Rick Scott, managed to take in nearly $181.5 million in donation revenue by the end of July, but apparently also by the end of July managed to spend 95% of what it brought in. This is the result of what appears to have been a really aggressive, small dollar online donor acquisition strategy uh, that seemingly did not pay off. Uh, The committee now has less than half the cash on hand compared to its Democratic counterpart and are in a really bad position going into the most crucial time of the year, approaching the last couple of weeks before the midterms. The report also details an ethically dubious text-to-donate scheme in which millions of texts with the question, quote, should Biden resign, reply yes to donate, uh, process donations immediately without any additional information for people who replied yes. Uh, This was so egregious that WinRed, the conservative organized platform that hosts a lot of this stuff, told them to knock it off. Uh, So both... GOP and Democratic campaigns have received criticism in the past for aggressive marketing, but this seems to not only be aggressive marketing, but just pure mismanagement of a fundraising strategy. What's your takeaway, George? Look, I think, you know, this isn't meant to be all political because we focus on nonprofits, but there are many nonprofits focused on the midterm elections and wondering uh, certainly about where, where dollars are being spent is a question that anyone should be asking, especially if you're planning fundraising, if you're planning ads in this upcoming midterm cycle, it's going to be very noisy. The other piece here is just don't do this. Don't raise money in shady ways. This like, should Biden resign? Reply yes to donate. And it's, you know, immediately triggering donations. You have to respect your donors. And this is clearly going to cost them. I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but like, as the wise person once said, we'll see. 
But I'll tell you what really doesn't tend to pay off, uh, ripping off your donors, uh, misleading them and, and messages like this, even though you may have the technology, doesn't mean you should use it this way in terms of getting text triggered donations. Absolutely. I also wonder with all this uh, aggressive and bad faith fundraising, whether this raises questions for the broader set of nonprofits and organizations fundraising. Does this disincentivize people to donate online? Um, I wonder if it changes behavior around how people act with online donation platforms. I think there still probably is. People can still pretty easily delineate uh, a traditional C3 nonprofit, you know, animal welfare group versus, you know, the Trump campaign. Um, but uh, I, I'd be interested to see if there was any data to back that up or not. Yeah, it might make certain donors, especially if you are running larger text to give campaigns uh, a little bit once bit and twice shy uh, about engaging with uh, SMS because they have been, uh, you know, defrauded in some senses if they didn't intend to give. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I'll take us into our next story. And this is uh, something we wanted to report from WRAL News, and that it is the North Carolina chapter of the NAACP has lost its nonprofit status. So that is the uh, 501c3 IRS tax exempt status appears to have been stripped automatically from the organization for failing to file uh, their tax returns for three consecutive years. It seems that this chapter of the NAACP has had problems in the past. They were placed under a punitive administratorship by the national organization uh, a, a year or two ago, whatever that means. Um, but this is bad news, I would say. The NAACP is a really important, influential organization, um, does a lot of good at promoting racial equality and advancing justice and has in so many capacities uh, for so many decades across America, perhaps being the, the most um, preeminent uh, organization leading the charge on social justice. And again, just to call out, this is just the North Carolina chapter we're talking about. There's lots of regional uh, affiliates and organizations at, at different tiers. Uh, but George, what's your takeaway from this? One, don't lose your tax-exempt status because suddenly donations made are no longer tax-exempt. It's going to very much hurt your ability to fundraise. So you know, keep, keep an eye on your 990s, how they are being filed, when they are being filed. And number two is I think chapter organizations are tough, tough, tough to manage over time and efficiently. And there seems to be a, uh, a rift or problem going on here, which is going to unfortunately hurt the overall reputation uh, of the NAACP, which again, is going to impact, you know, reputation to donors uh, as well. So uh, it is sad to see for uh, such an organization with a historical past of promoting rights in America. Absolutely. All right. I'll take us into our next story. And this comes from the San Francisco Standard. And it's kind of a wacky one, but it's about, as I understand, uh, George, you're from, you're from California, so maybe you understand better than I, but uh, 
on Friday, um, a judge will apparently decide whether Proposition K, um, which is designed to tax Amazon and channel roughly $60 million a year into a guaranteed income program for, quote unquote, the city's most vulnerable residents, should go before voters in November. Um, and the story goes on to say that the idea behind this is, um, quote unquote, the bill was written with the thinking, quote, how do we tax Jeff Bezos's ass? And it seems, however, that the crafters of this proposition didn't really think it through to fruition all the way. And it's come up with a lot of kind of downstream, bad, secondary, second order effects uh, from this this proposition. Um, I do not live in a state where ballot measures are as frequent as in California. So George, I know you're probably a little bit more familiar. What's what's your approach to this? I mean, one, it's it's just brutal to watch, you know, this type of headline for housing housing organization in San Francisco, why they're spending this much uh, on this type of effort. And that is, you know, that is tough because San Francisco's got a tremendous problem with uh, people experiencing homelessness. So, you know, is a poorly written proposal the way to do it? California is fascinating with these proposals that let the public, you know, craft and push things that may be popular uh, changes into our, under our voting. But this is like, frankly, it's, it's holding up a magnifying glass and see the downside of that. You have folks that are creating well-intentioned, but devastatingly stupid. I'll just say when you actually look at how this is written, because it would just crush small businesses, restaurants, bars, and others that are trying to just survive, provide services. Uh, not just Jeff Bezos, uh, and may even make it onto the ballot and people may read it or misread it and then vote it up or down, you begin to wonder, should all types of policy be done this way? However, as a voting Californian, I do love sometimes the granularity of uh, what can be done. But this is, uh, this is a double fail. Double fail. Real dumb. We don't like a... No, I dislike it. I dislike it. I, I dislike it, Sam. I am. Do not like green eggs and ham. I don't like nonprofits spending half a million on wad tax efforts. It's, it's, um, it's unfortunate. I agree. We want policy that is smart and works. Speaking of wanting policy that is smart and works, this unfortunately is the opposite of that. This comes from an organization I'm unfamiliar with, but we cite here as the Democracy Labs. And it is the title of this is a map, uh, a rape map, quote, where Republicans have made abortions illegal. Um, so it seems that there's like infographics and, and places here where you can kind of map out the state of the legality of abortion. And this comes in the context of Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott, uh, who says that rape victims should just take Plan B as if it was that easy and everyone had access to that and the knowledge to know of what Plan B is. Um, so this is uh, really cynical and and quite grotesque move by the the, the furthest uh, to the right Republican policymakers to uh, clamp down on 
abortion access for anyone, including rape or incest victims, um, at any point in the pregnancy. But George, why did you include this this particular article? I included it because it is a, a new approach to sort of you know visual storytelling using maps and geographic regions to spell out a story that we all know but can be framed. And I think maps are incredibly powerful, and this is a you know certainly attention grabbing uh, and worth uh, worthwhile even just from a, a social impact messaging and storytelling uh, lens to look at how they're using. Um, this map to tell this story of uh, injustice and erosion of rights of, of women in the country. So uh, I thought it was—I thought it was worth including here. Yeah, I think that's—I think that's fair. And this issue, as are so many other issues, are on the ballot this November, and it's important for people to to be informed because for for many, it's nothing short of life and death. All right, I want to take us into our next story. George, I feel like this story just went from like two to 100 real fast. I'm not even undersure. I'm not even sure I completely understand, but this comes from Law 360. And this is a follow up to a story we reported on a couple of weeks ago. But a California judge, a federal judge, overseeing Black Girl Code's lawsuit against the formerly terminated CEO, Kimberly Bryant. Um, has urged the parties to cooperate to restore the nonprofit's website, which Bryant has replaced with information about their legal fight, saying the litigation is, quote unquote, destroying an organization Bryant created to teach young black women computer programming. Have we checked this? What, what is happening here? This is a mess. This is really sad to see for an organization, you know, founded in 2011. And I have read through a number of articles. I encourage other people to sort of like go and try to dig out the truths, but it is a, you know, a board, a decision to remove the CEO and founder in this case, uh, it's the number one job a board does. They hire and fire the CEO, hopefully with the eye toward the longevity of the organization. There was an independent investigation done, interviewing staff members. There were claims of high turnover rates, toxic work environment. Uh, however, the way they removed uh, Bryant was uh, unceremonious to say the least. Uh, there were questions of how, you know, how the termination was, was done, how the investigation actually may have exonerated her leadership in the organization. It, it's super unclear, but here's the net result. Right now, there is a website that used to provide programming information for, for this cause. And right now, it is being reallocated, unfortunately, for the, the failure of the board and CEO to, to work out an amicable end to this. And this is the worst of all cases, because when you do this website, you are uh, destroying anyone who's coming there for resources, destroying the uh, general reputation of those lengths if you keep uh, this up over time, it will really set them back regardless of, of who wins. It's the wrong place for it. Um, so right, right or wrong, this is, this is a poor use of, of digital resources, uh, that frankly funders with donated millions are probably watching, wondering why, why did this have to happen? 
No, George, I agree. This is a, I mean, the current state of this is a lose-lose and it's nothing, nothing more than that. Um, so we hope it yeah. No one wins, no wins a war of attrition. Scorched earth policy is, is one that is terrible and even uglier when seen in the nonprofit sector, regardless of who is wronged and how this is the wrong, uh, this is the wrong action my, in my estimate of it. No, I agree. And I, I would say both parties have lost legitimacy in this um, because of, of how public and kind of, yeah, just how crazy this is. All right. How about a feel-good story, George? Gosh, what a mess our, our list of news is. Yeah, what do we have on the feel-goods? Uh, we got one from Florida Today. Uh, floridatoday.com it is about a banned book drive uh, that has actually become a nonprofit. so a teacher at bayside high school in brevard i'm sure i'm not saying that correctly um uh, has led fundraising to uh distribute banned books to students and as you can imagine it attracted all sorts of the controversy around uh, along all the expected political fault lines, um, but the organization uh, named after uh, the book Fahrenheit 451 is called Foundation 451 and continues to seek donations to help kids get access to books. Uh, an online fundraiser gathered $35,000. I think books are good. Books require context. You can have challenging books. You can have hard books, but Books are good. I like I like books. I like this organization. Yeah, I think it's the context also is interesting when you see a banned book as to the the social norming of that time of why it was banned is as important as and sometimes more so than the book and speaks more to the, that that time and zeitgeist. So uh, great to see. And I think there's a lot that they could potentially build on. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, George. Thanks, Nick. See you out there. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to Greg Thomas Music.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 